0: Welcome to the Women's Football Podcast. Of course, I'm not Liv Griffiths, I am Luke Edwards. Liv is taking a well-earned rest this week. It is International Week, so we're doing the pod a little bit later this week, until all the international games have been played. There was two rounds of fixtures during this past week. And joining me to look at it all over is former FA and Aston Villa Media Officer, Emily Lyles. Hi, Emily. Hi, Lou. And also we have a brand new voice on the podcast. It is blogger and journalist Alex Pereira. Hi, Alex. Hi, Luke. So later on, we'll round up the National League results that took place. There's only a few that took place over the weekend. And also look ahead to the upcoming WSL and Championship fixtures this weekend. But first, it was a full house for the home nations in this week's international fixtures as England, Wales, Northern Ireland, Scotland won both games in their bid to qualify for the next World Cup in Australia and New Zealand in 2023. England scored 18 goals across the two games, beating North Macedonia at Southampton and winning away in Luxembourg. Before we hear what the girls think, our very own Andrew Rayburn attended a press conference with captain for the night Leah Williamson and new England manager Serena Wiegmann after that game at Southampton. Did we see a Serena Wiegmann team today? How close was that England performance to the sort of football that you want to see on a regular basis?
1: Well, that's very hard to say. I think you saw intentions we would like to do, but also it's not totally new. We just add some things to it. Um, And I think the players have so, so much so much luggage already because of their experience and we had some young players in so maybe did some things they need to get adjusted to um but i don't know i don't know um i hope we we will improve and improve then we need some some opponents that are uh from a higher standard than we had tonight so now we're really attacking and getting in the final third all the time um, and we'll we'll have that tuesday again Um, and hopefully um, pretty soon we get some other opponents too and then we can continue building uh, and adding things to our game.
0: I mean, with the attacking players available to you, it's going to be a very exciting time to come and watch England, isn't
1: it? We have good attackers, but I think we have good midfielders too and we also have good defenders, so it's good to watch them too, I think.
0: And a very quick one for Leah. Um, There's a lot that comes with with being England captain, obviously leading the team out, etc., etc. And although you always give everything in every game you play, did having the armband sort of perhaps make you stand a little bit taller in the game today?
1: Um,
2: I don't think I'd changed anything about myself. I don't think I was any different, but I do think that there's certain times when, um, and luckily for us, we didn't face too many difficult times today, but obviously when you do have an armband on, there's certain times where you need to stand up and, and stand for your teammates or, or be somebody to, to look to. Um, like I said, I don't really think that happened today, but I think, yeah, you have to be prepared for that when you, when you walk out.
0: So it was an 8-0 win and a 10-0 win for England. In total, England had 85 shots on goal across the two games with 37 of those on target. That's pretty, pretty amazing, isn't it? It included a special goal as well for Rachel Daly, who played on despite the death of her father over the past week. And you could see how much it meant to her as well as her teammates as well. Emily, it's a bit difficult to gauge how good this performance really was against. Teams are expected to beat really for England, isn't it? But what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I agree, Luke. It is challenging. Um, I think with these kind of games, is although we're all, you know, we all want the home nations to do well and, and certainly want England to do well. I think it's actually quite hard to enjoy those games because they are so one sided, and it's not just the the score line um, tonight, for example. It's actually just the kind of manner of it as well. You know, from the off, it was just corner after corner, attack after attack. And it's, you know, it's almost like a game of attack versus defence, isn't it? But unfortunately, not too much, um, you know, evidence of defending. And
0: It was like yeah, a training session, wasn't it? Watching it.
2: A hundred percent. And you're right. It's really hard to gauge where the team are. At the same time, you can only beat what's in front of you. And I'm very supportive of that. And obviously, you know, there's some real positives that have come out the last two games. I think Leah Williamson, captain the team, is a really big, big moment for her and really significant and you know I'm sure this is another discussion point separately really but it makes you wonder whether the thinking is long term she may step into that captaincy role um once Steph Horton retires or or is no longer involved with England and you know that there are positives and as you say the Rachel Daly moment was very very special because that's a huge huge thing to to be able to do and our thoughts go to her but yeah overall just really difficult to assess really where England are
0: Yeah, it was a big thing, wasn't it, Emily, about Steph Hart and pulling out the squad injured. But in terms of these two games, like you say, it's been good in a way to look at life without Steph Hart. Because inevitably, she will probably retire in the next couple of years, won't she?
2: A hundred percent. And I think we all forget sometimes, or I know I certainly do, how long she's been around, you know, been around the WSL, been around the top, top end of, of English football. And yeah, I, I think it can't hurt because it's not just from a playing capacity, because as we saw, you know, uh, England can, can beat this opposition with a B, I'm not saying the teams would B teams, but, you know, with, you know, without their key personnel, without a shadow of a doubt. But yeah, I think, you know, her not being around, Leah stepping in, other players having an opportunity is really, really important.
0: And Alex, in the men's game, the the smaller countries are slowly getting better. That gap is uh, slowly closing, isn't it? But in the women's game, there's a massive chasm at the minute.
3: Yeah, definitely. It also happens um, in cricket as well. Like the men's teams, like the top four teams, England, Australia, New Zealand, India, and then you've got like Pakistan, Sri Lanka coming up. But in the women's side, it's sort of similar to the women's football game where you've got your set, like your good teams, and then... You've got teams who p- perhaps aren't as good and they just, I don't know whether it's a lack of funding or more money's being pumped in to the men's game but I mean Luxembourg, like Emily has said they're not the most challenging opponent and I don't think it kind of helps when your own players are scoring own goals for the opposition. <laughs> it's, not, it's not helping you develop but Maybe this might be one of those learning curves where, you know, okay, we've we've lost 10-0, we've lost to the better team. How are we going to come back from this?
0: Yeah, it was nice to see an enthusiastic crowd though in Luxembourg. There was lots of women and children in the crowd as well, even though they knew the team was on a hide into nothing. And that's a positive thing because we know that the men's team in Luxembourg is slowly improving. And you might think as a fan, well, I'm not going to watch the women's team. They're getting stuffed every week, but they stuck loyal with the men's team were getting better. And I'm, I'm guessing they'll be hoping for the same thing for the women's team. And, and I'm sure the women will appreciate the support despite them losing 10-0 tonight at home.
2: Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I agree with that. And I think like generally crowds being back and and players, you know, both sides would have appreciated playing in front of a crowd. Um, tonight, but you know, just going back back to Alex's point there around the disparities, I think that's a really really important point that it isn't just unique to football, and I suppose we're very aware of how you know how how um, the English game has moved on and the WSL and even the Championship and you know what what the lionesses um, have in terms of support and resource, and that just isn't the case across the board. And it is getting better, but there's still massive, massive disparities. So I think, unless that changes drastically, we probably are going to see those score lines for a while.
0: You have an England's group, uh, Northern Ireland. They brush aside Latvia at Windsor Park. First time they've returned back to Windsor Park in a while. They beat Luxembourg on Friday as well by the same scoreline 4 0. That was in Lahn. And next up, it's a trip to Wembley with the Green Army currently in third, but level on points with both Austria and England. And Emily, that's such a mouthwatering tie, isn't it?
2: Oh, massively, yeah. I mean, talking about, you know, atmospheres, that's got the potential to be really, really special, hasn't it? Um, and yeah, I, I, I think that that's certainly one that people will be looking forward to, you know, certainly over here, clearly, but but generally across the game too.
0: And Alex, last time out, England won 6-0 against Northern Ireland, who were preparing for the playoffs, which you ultimately won to qualify for next year's Euros. Can you see it being a bit bit tight this time round?
3: Potentially, yeah. But you just never know. Like For for all we know, on the day, Northern Ireland could turn up, whack, three past the keeper, and they've taken all the points. But I think it's really important that the game is being played at Wembley because it shows that Wembley is the home of England football. It's not just the men's team. It's, it's both. And I think when you have two teams, one brand, it works a lot better than if it's just like oh, we've got the men's team and then Oh, we've got to sort of promote the women's team just to get it up and fill numbers. So I think it's a really positive move from the FA to just be like Wembley home ground for all football fans all England fans. And it does, like you say, it's a mouth-watering tie and it might be a lot closer than we think.
0: Yeah, Emily, it'll be interesting to see what the crowd is as well at Wembley, won't it?
2: Yeah, it certainly will do. I mean, I think, um, yeah. well, the last time the two played was at St George's Park, wasn't it? In a mm-hmm. bit of a kind of behind closed doors on the main pitch there. Um, so, yeah, it'll be a totally different different atmosphere obviously the lionesses have done really really well with the tendencies when they have had games at Wembley um and yeah with that you know kind of derby element who knows you know hopefully you see the same you know people follow suit and and do the same and show their support
0: Scotland also had a new manager Pedro Martinez Loza and they started the week with a hard-fought victory over Hungary on Friday, thanks to Aaron Cuthbert, who followed up after a penalty had been saved, and a Manchester United striker Martha Thomas added a second. They followed that with an emphatic seven one win over the Faroe Islands on Tuesday evening to give them a boost in qualifying for back to back World Cups. Those results lead them second on goal difference, which would mean a playoff currently. And behind group leaders Spain, who scored 17 goals in their two games against Hungary and the Faroe Islands. Emily, it's a big thing for Scotland in these qualifiers is that the SFA have moved the home games from Easter Road, the home of Hibernian, to Hampden Park. And it's something that the players have spoken about, most notably Gem Beatty, about how it's going to inspire them a little bit. So they wouldn't have needed any motivation, would they?
2: No, not at all. And you know, as we alluded, you know, as Alex really well alluded to there, that with the Lionesses playing at Wembley, there's that identity, there's that togetherness, and that's a really, really big move for Scotland because I don't think that that's, you know, that's not common across the board. It's only been in recent years that that the Lionesses have played at Wembley, and um, so you just hope it's something that that can continue because you know there is an appetite for the game and you know I think look I hope for their sake that they can attract the crowd that they deserve to attract but I think also you know even if they don't it's a really really important step for them to continue to grow and and you know for them you know not just you know for them as players and their core support but I think it will also mean that the the wider Scottish public if you like will start to you know, take an interest and in, and perhaps might be more inclined to go and support or or you know just take an interest in the team more generally.
0: Yeah, I was I was trying to stay across all three games, but I did flick onto Scotland briefly. And the crowd sounded really enthusiastic. You know, there was kids there again and the air horns and things like that, and and it looked a decent attendance at Hampden Park. So fingers crossed that can continue for Scotland. Alex, a big concern there will be at Chelsea. He'll be sweating after Erin Cuthbert was stretched off right at the end of that game against the Faroe Islands and they'll be hoping that that's not too serious.
3: Definitely. like She scored in the last match for Chelsea and she's such a key integral part of the team that if she is out for a long period of time, how will Chelsea adapt? But hopefully, like you say, it's not too serious. Maybe they stretched her off a precaution like we won't really know until we get the feedback or whatever it is that it is but yeah it'll be such a shame if she's out for a sustained period of time she looks to be coming into form and just it always seems to happen that when you tend to get into form that's when injury strikes
0: yeah, and finally, Liv will be happy as Wales also made it two wins out of two. As Gemma Granger's side followed up Friday's 6 0 win over Kazakhstan with a 1 0 win in Estonia. Tash Harding's early goals enough to secure the three points, despite Wales missing a host of chances throughout. But Wales do top their group ahead of the French. Do you find that a bit surprising, Emily?
2: Yeah, I do, actually. And, you know, I'm really, really pleased for Gemma Granger because it's not easy going into that sort of senior managerial uh, coaching role but she's she's adapted really well you see the noises coming out of the Wales camp the players seem to have bought into what she's trying to do and and seem to just generally like her methods and and get on well with her which is an absolutely massive thing Um, because although she's got bags of experience she's still a relatively young coach you know kind of age-wise and stuff like that but yeah she's done really, really well. And like you say, yes, they had a whole host of chances, but they've got the job done, haven't they, ultimately? And, you know, where, they, where they're sitting at the moment is, is very impressive.
0: Yeah, Republic of Ireland had their game in Georgia called off and they did win a friendly against Australia. So they've yet to kick off their World Cup qualifying campaign. But what's interesting is a lot of the big teams, as we mentioned, Spain, England, Norway, Denmark, they all had big wins, two wins, and they all scored lots and lots of goals. And there was an interesting tweet as well, I saw from the journalist Rodney Cyrus. He said, after tonight's results in the women's World Cup qualifying games, that two-year World Cup cycle can't arrive soon enough. If the opposition are to improve, then they need more games at this level, not less. So it's been a really interesting debate, hasn't it? I've seen a lot of people against it, certainly in the men's game and there's a lot of figures as well in the women's game calling it out as well, saying it's a bad idea. However, do you agree with Rodney Cyrus on this, girls?
2: Uh, I have to say, you know what, I I I was probably in the other camp until you read that out, Luke, and and you know it does, it is a really really important argument, and it does make you think. And if anything, these score lines that we've seen over the last few days support that argument, don't they, completely, that these teams are not going to get better if they're not tested regularly, if they're not exposed to the bigger environments, playing against, with, but also against, better players. So... Yeah, perhaps, you know what, perhaps there is a strong argument there. And, you know, maybe that's some of the thinking behind the consideration. And, you know, I, I'm not quite sure how far down the line the thinking is at the moment, but maybe, you know, maybe that is kind of the crux of the argument.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with what Emily said, I, but I can also see it from both sides. Like on the one hand, like Emily said, how are you going to improve internationally if you're not playing teams and you're not playing teams of the same quality? Because, yeah, England have won 10 0 tonight, but they played Luxembourg, who aren't particularly a threatening side. Maybe if they got like a 3 4 0 win against Spain, that's more interesting and it's more, they're more on a parity. But I can see it on the other side where if you have too many international games, um, injuries, fatigue, burnout could all come into play. So that when they return back to their clubs, are they performing at the best level? Or are they just so focused on their international and national teams that it just their form just goes out the window?
0: And it's funny as well, we're talking about teams looking to improve. In this World Cup qualifying campaign, you've got Luxembourg who are taking part in a full qualifying group stage for the first time. Cyprus are also making their women's World Cup debut. So you've got to remember a lot of these international teams, we look at them in the men's game, as we say, they're improving. But in the women's game, They're quite new, aren't they?
2: Yeah, they are. And I think it's also, you know, there's a lot that goes with international football that you need. So, yes, there's obviously coming up against quality teams, quality players, good tacticians with the managers and coaches. But actually, you know, there's the whole going away, the camp environment, the structure has to be there as well. And, you know, that doesn't just come down to funding. That comes down to, you know, people being available because of course not everybody's full-time are they in the same way that you know that the England players are and a lot of the others are so yeah I think then to do that on a two-yearly basis that's a lot of pressure and all of a sudden a lot of well really investment not just in terms of money but time and consideration and that would need to go into that so it does seem a slightly left of centre idea shall we say.
0: Yeah, other things to note from the World Cup qualifying campaign this week. Denmark's opening win against saw Panil Harder from Chelsea, of course, become their all-time leading scorer, overtaking Marit Pedersen's previous mark of 65. And also Montenegro got their first ever points in a main qualifying group with a 3-2 win in Bosnia and Herzegovina, despite having two women sent off as well. So that's quite an achievement for them. We're going to move on and look briefly at the National League fixtures that took place. It was only a a few that took place over the weekend in the Southern Premier Division, especially in the league leaders, Itchwich Town. They continued their fine form with an 11-1 win over Canesham Town. So they've won six out of six with 18 points and a goal difference of 24. Looking ahead to the this coming weekend, there's some mouthwatering fixtures in the WSL And there's only one place to start, really, and that's on Sunday afternoon, the early kickoff between Man United and Chelsea.
3: So, it'll be really interesting to see if Lauren James starts and plays for Chelsea, playing against a former team. Um, Chelsea, they look to be getting back to their best. They had a slow start against Arsenal, 3-2. One goal could have been offside, potentially, but I won't dwell on that. But... Chelsea, they've they won the league back-to-back, made it to the Champions League final, won the FA Cup. Like, There's just so many superlatives you can say about Emma Hayes that when Chelsea were looking for a manager before they hired Frank Lampard, I actually thought she should get men's job because she's won so much, she's so experienced. And even when Lampard was going through that tough period before he was sacked, it would have probably been a good idea for him to talk to Emma Hayes. I don't know if he did or he didn't. I'm not privy to that information, but if he had, it'd be maybe helpful to him because she's been in those situations before. She can kind of guide him in a way that might help him get the best out of the players. But Chelsea, Chelsea are one of those teams that, you know, with the right investment and having <laughs> Kings Meadow as their home ground and getting fans in. And having an owner that is actually supportive of both teams really helps, I think.
0: That's an interesting point. Old to be a fly in a wall at Cobbin. but do you think it's a pride thing on Lampard's part that maybe he didn't speak to him? We don't like to say we don't know, but the likelihood is he probably didn't, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, I think potentially it is a pride thing. But in football, you've got to learn to get over the egos and just accept if you go into a bad run of form as a player, as a manager that there are other people there at the club who can help you if they've been through that situation. I think Brian needs to just take a back seat when it comes to things like this.
0: Moving on to two o'clock then on Sunday, and the league leaders currently are Brighton and Hove and Emily, and they take on Aston Villa. And you'd expect Brighton and Hove Albion to beat Aston Villa and make it three wins out of three and stay at the top of the division.
2: Yeah, you certainly would. But I think one of the, the good things is regardless... This season, that's going to be a competitive fixture because last season, I think it probably would have been competitive, but I think, you know, it probably would have lacked a bit of quality potentially because that was the kind of game where Brighton, I don't want to say underestimated their opponent because that's a bit harsh, but you know, they they struggled, didn't they, against those sort of teams around and below them, but actually performed against those above them, whereas Villa, it was obviously a very difficult season for them all round, but they're looking more solid, more competitive. So you'd have to think that that would be a really, really competitive. And to be fair, it's good to see Brighton doing so well.
0: Yeah, the inconsistent Brighton. And then Spurs take on Reading. West Ham are at home to Leicester City, who are still looking for their first win in the WSL. And then another mouthwatering game on the Sunday evening between Arsenal and Manchester City-Arsenal, who started off really, really well, two wins out of two and also progressed to the Champions League group stages against the Man City side, who lost their last game at home to Spurs and also didn't even make the Champions League group stages. I know we touched on it on the last podcast, Emily, but Manchester City, will it's not going to get any easier for them, is it? No,
2: it's not. And I know they've got a, a pretty debilitating and crippling injury list at the moment as well. And then to have to go to Arsenal... Um, makes it really challenging, but I really like the idea of that six forty-five kickoff as well. I think that that's a really good time to have a game. It's great that the women's game's in a position now where you do see these staggered kickoffs. You know, essentially mirroring the men's game in that respect, and people, you know, can be um, can can watch multiple games and, and can I guess sort of pick which game they watch, which is, which is amazing. But yeah, that's that's quite a mouthwatering contest, isn't it? And I think. Probably hard to call them for the first time in a while. I'd imagine Arsenal will be the favourites in, you know, in some quarters. And some people, you know, if they're having a little flutter, shall we say, might might go for the home side there.
3: I mean, although Man City are sort of on a poor and a form, and they have what injuries, you can never count them out because they've still got the quality. But like Emily said, having those staggered Timings, and I think having that partnership with Sky to be able to show more games, so you've done a lot on BT, Sky, and the BBC. You're opening up to a whole range of people, a new audience that is only going to help grow the women's game and gain more fans and increase revenue and all that. Not political stuff, but all that fun stuff. And I think I would, I tend to go against the run of form, so I'd probably say Man City. Might just edge it, even though they've
0: got a list of injuries. Yeah, and again, this is a big test, Emily, for Arsenal, isn't it? I mean, we talked about the struggle against the top four teams, I think over the past two, two or three seasons. But they they kind of put that to bed when you beat Chelsea. So it's it's a big thing, isn't it? Now they'll, they'll be suddenly thinking, do you know what? We're not scared of Man City now.
2: They will, and you know they have. They certainly have every right to feel like that. The way it's gone for them. Um, you know, thus far this season, I think the Chelsea win was was a massive result for them and, and probably a massive result for the league too. I know Chelsea recovered very, very quickly, as they tend to do. Um, but just generally, you know, that that was a big, big win for Arsenal, especially, as you say, given their form against those top teams, you know, for the last couple of seasons, really. And I think if they get a positive result against City... Um, I guess they will be wanting a win. But, you know, I guess if they don't lose to City, all of a sudden they've had, you know, a very, very good start to the season.
0: It all kicks off on the Saturday morning at 11.30 between Everton and Birmingham. Everton, you've had a a really slow start to the season. They currently sit bottom. And Willie Kirk, he's got to win this one, I think, hasn't he?
3: Yeah, I I agree. Birmingham aren't the most challenging side I would say so you would think Everton have the quality to beat them not sure why it's not really clicked for Everton yet they have got some class players but I think you never know they might have one of those days where everything just clicks into place and then their horses courses and they can just put that bad start to the season behind them
0: Looking at the Championship the leaders Sunderland they host Lewis Close behind them are Sheffield United. They take on Watford, who've had a slow start to the season. Newly promoted Watford. Of course, they came up for the National League last season as part of the restructuring, despite there being only one relegation place whose two teams promoted. Bristol City women kick it off at half 12. They host Durham, who are currently in fourth. A solid start to the season so far for Durham. Liverpool, they host Crystal Palace after a slow start. As we heard, In the last episode, Emily against Bristol City. Crystal Palace are actually above Liverpool at the minute. They've, like Liverpool, have one win, one draw and one defeat. And then Charlton Athletic, they host Blackburn Rovers. And Blackburn, a surprise package at the minute. Gemma Donnelly side up in third position. Charlton are down in ninth. In the National League, the Northern Premier Division derby. Take on Middlesbrough, Huddersfield take on Wolves, Hull City ladies take on Burnley, Nottingham Forest take on the league leaders Filed That'll be a big game there. Stoke ladies take on Brighouse Town and West Brom take on Loughborough Lightning in the South. It's Hounslow against Portsmouth. Hounslow looking for their first win and indeed their first goal of the season. Cancham take on Chichester and Selsey, MK Don's take on Cardiff. Oxford United take on Bridgewater, Southampton take on London Bees, and Plymouth Argyle take on Gillingham. I'd advise you to get down and support, certainly the National League, if you can't get to a WSL or a championship fixture. And finally, one other story that caught my eye this week, girls, was there was a big announcement from the US Soccer Federation that the women and the men's team will be paid equally. I mean, that's a massive step, isn't it? When a team or who are successful as the US women's national team and now being paid the same as the men. It's It feels like a big breakthrough, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, it certainly does. And I know a few years ago, and obviously until very recently, that hasn't been the case. And, you know, there was lots of sort of campaigning, wasn't there, from Megan Rapinoe, various other players who, who were very, quite rightly outspoken about it and, you know, comparing to, I guess, other salaries in the men's game and not necessarily involved with the senior men's team, what, what um, individuals and coaches and stuff were earning there compared to the women. And, you know, I think you try and be objective and you look at it in terms of market value, but those USA women's players are some of the most marketable in the world, aren't they? If you look at, you know, what happened when, they came, when the players came to the WSL, the profile, the shirt sales. So... It's never really made a lot of sense, but I think this is a really significant moment. Um, and, you know, a lot of people would say it's long overdue, but better late than never. And, you know, I think it's a really, really positive step.
3: Yeah. Um, I think just for a gender parity thing, it's so important. I like, we hear loads of women in sports trying, like, like, trying to get gender equality with pay and stuff like that. And it's a really positive step from the US that the women who are arguably more successful than the men's team getting paid the same amount because we see a lot in women's sport as well that yes, they play professional sport, but they also work alongside that. And if they can find a way to be like, yes, this is just my job, this is my sole income, then it's only going to help improve the standard of football and women's sport in general. And I think. Hopefully with a country like the US doing something so big as this, hopefully more countries will start to follow suit, like England, Republic of Ireland, Scotland, Spain. And that way we can really see the growth of women's football.
0: Is it do you think now the, the big thing about that is, is like you say, I mean, in the US, women's soccer is huge, probably bigger than maybe Brazil is on a par with it, and, and now England's getting that way. And certainly a few of the Scandinavian countries, but in Brazil, in, in America, it's it's massive, isn't it? You hear about soccer moms all the time taking the, the, the girls to um soccer camps and stuff like that. So is it a lot easier for them, do you think, in, in the states to do something like this?
3: I think it's just the way it's marketed, to be honest. Marketing is key for stuff like this, and if you market it in a way that's understandable and easy to retain, then you're more likely to to get people wanting to get involved in football whatever and I think the US they seem to have a lot more funds than most countries to be able to sort of push that growth in women's football and hopefully more countries will start to use the facilities and the resources that they have to help improve the women's game in their countries because obviously money is always going to be a contributing factor but if you can find a way around that but still market it in a good way, then you're going to get a good product and more people interested.
0: And I know people can't see it, but you've got a nice star and stripe sort of cushion behind you as well, haven't you? So,
3: (laughs) I mean, yeah, I'm not even American, but it's just, it's just a mass bedspread, so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. Well, on that note, uh, thank you Alex for coming on and a great debut.
3: Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it.
0: And also thank you as well, Emily. Solid as ever. Oh,
3: pleasure. The pleasure is all mine,
0: Luke. Brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe to us on all good podcasting platforms and give us a follow as well at TWFP1 on Twitter and the Women's Football Podcast on Instagram. Until then, we'll see you all very soon.